This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hang.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. She pulled my hair with my lipstick on, in a glass of purple Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me here again on this lovely Friday. I am immensely grateful and stoked for this particular guest, a uh, big, huge fan, Dr. Steve Maraboli. And uh, so although this show is aired to 145 countries, 220 TV, radio, terrestrial satellites, and truly you'd have to be uh, living under a rock if you don't recognize this individual, this stellar human being. But what I'm going to do, as I always do before I turn it over to unscripted dialogue, is I'm just going to uh, read a little bit, plug a little bit about Dr. Steve Maraboli's uh, bio. So Dr. Steve Maraboli is a life-changing speaker, best-selling author, and behavioral science academic. His empowering words, strategic insights, and social philosophies have been shared and published throughout the world in more than 25 languages. Dr. Steve has delivered his inspiring, entertaining, and unforgettable speeches in over 30 countries. His quotes and videos have become a social media sensation, being shared by millions across the globe and earning him the designation of the most quoted man alive. He is a professional contributor to numerous media outlets, including the Huffington Post, Psychology Today, Inc. Magazine, Success Magazine, and others. His award-winning philanthropic organization, A Better Today International, is self-funded and has empowerment, education, and humanitarian programs in over 40 countries. He is the creator of Psycho-Neuroactualization, a breakthrough counseling coaching methodology that has gained worldwide attention for its effectiveness and influence and personal group mindset adjustment. PNA has been called the science of influence and the science of excellence but Steve jokingly refers to it as the science of getting out of your own way. With 15-plus years of successful experience as a business consultant, executive leadership coach, and peak performance coach, Dr. Steve Maraboli works with his clients worldwide through Skype. So, Steve, thank you so much for joining me here today. Hey, 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 thank you so much. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. So, I just want to say how much of an honor it is to have uh, you joining us here. This, you know, I've been following you for years. Uh, obviously, you're very clearly a bright light. You're very inspirational, very motivational. And I know a lot of people have derived a lot of inner strength from you and your words of wisdom, clarity, and enlightenment. So I just want to say for everything that you impart to the rest of the world, for what you've done for me personally, I just want to say I have nothing but immense gratitude for you. I think you're stellar. Yeah, it means the world to me. I mean, that's, that's what, for me, that's what this is all about. That's why I do anything to, to have that positive impact, to, to, to leave that, to live your life for that, that little while that you're here. You know, like you, you don't, it, it's kind of like that idea that I, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm on my way. Like for right. that little while that you're here to, to leave this positive impact. And, and if, 
And I, I was fortunate that, that I kind of got hit by like the nerd bug and I just got super nerdy and into behaviorism and, and, and understanding it. And, and for whatever reason, maybe it was because I, as a kid, I would read a lot of quote books. So mm-hmm. I enjoy taking complex ideas um, and, and throwing it in one or two lines or, or a quick little rant at the paragraph. I really enjoyed that. And, and it turns out, Lisa, that it, it resonates with a lot of people. I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that, that something that comes so naturally to me is helpful to so many people because all I'm doing is just sharing my own life and my own thoughts. Well, as you would know, sharing is the greatest gift of all, you know, and sure. I mean, you're, you're a powerhouse. I mean, you're obviously very humble and it comes to you effortlessly, but in terms of the residual impact that you have on people, people's lives, people's hearts, people's souls, you know, transforming people's direction and just completely shifting people, um, you know, what a gift and thank you very much for electing to choose it with the rest of us. Uh, just amazing stuff that you're doing out there for all of us. My pleasure. So what I'm always interested to know, Steve, uh, you know, some of my questions are quite standard because obviously the, diff- the answers are always different uh, based on sure. who I have as my guest. But I'm always interested to know the inception of one's journey. Uh, so for you, in terms of where you are now and, and how you're recognized and known, you know, when when did this all take off for you? When did you establish the clarity that this was your life path, your journey? I don't know. It, it, you know, in some ways, you just go about being you. Um, and, and I feel like the the more acute that becomes, the more impactful I become, and the more I become recognized as, as someone who, who's sharing these ideas, it really is just um, the more of me being myself. I, I'm back to that to that middle school and high school kid who was giving little pep talks to his soccer team or to the wrestling team. It really, it, the more I become of myself, the more impact I'm able to have on others. I think that I learned a long time ago, um, and, I, and I learn it more and more to deeper levels uh, as every day goes by, Lisa, that you don't, you don't grow spiritual. You know how we've always had that idea of you, you grow wise. You grow spiritual. It's actually the opposite. Words matter, and that word isn't the accurate word. It's not about gaining knowledge for wisdom. It's not about gaining experience for spirituality. You don't grow spiritual. You shrink spiritual. You shrink wise. It's not about adding. It's about subtracting. And the more things I subtracted from my life, the nonsense, the, the idea of trying to control things I simply don't control. When you take a look at life in general, Lisa, and, and you, you think about what you actually control, <laughs> the list really starts dwindling. And then you start realizing that worrying about things that you do not control is just spinning your wheel. And when you stop worrying about those things and instead put that same energy into into uh, refining, improving, and enhancing yourself, something you can control, your life changes exponentially. You don't grow spiritual, you shrink spiritual. You don't grow wise, you shrink wise. It's about reducing, not adding. Well, I have to say, Steve, I actually 
love what you just said. And I was speaking with a loved one uh, last night about the whole idea of relinquishing. And, you know, I, I understand exactly what you're saying, but I have to say I have never heard it put that way. And it's so crystallized for me. I just had a moment of goosebumps. But, uh, yeah, the more I find, the more you relinquish, the more that shows up and the right stuff shows up and the right people and, align. And Lisa, it's the more honest you're being. Absolutely. So we come from this place of hubris where we say, I'm going to relinquish the need to control tomorrow. Here's the thing. You weren't controlling it anyway. <laughs> so, so it's not like you're relinquishing control of something you didn't have control over. You just thought you controlled it, which is why it drove you crazy that you didn't. <laughs> but the truth is, you didn't anyway. True. So all you're doing is embracing the truth. The truth is, tomorrow's going to happen without your suggestion. Wow. <laughs> Nobody. Wow. And so you have to be a part of it. You have to be the best version of you in tomorrow, not try to make the best version of tomorrow. That is absurd. History will show you how absurd it is. The people who have tried to shape it, they die brokenhearted and frustrated. So when you relinquish that, all you're doing is embracing the truth of your core. I was invited years ago to uh, to a uh, car manufacturing uh, plant, and I don't really know much about cars. My brother is a supercar uh, uh, guy. He knows insides out. He'll tell you different engines and everything. I'm the opposite of that. And so I didn't know anything about it, but I was invited to this factory. I've done a lot of corporate uh, uh, work. And so um, I got to see one of those cool wind tunnels. You ever see those commercials? Where they like they blow smoke through these wind tunnels and they check out the efficiency of the cars. Yes, I yes. got to I got to see that done and it was so awesome because I'm I'm in I, I'm seeing this wind tunnel and there's a, there's a glass kind of like like when you're at a car wash and these engineers are plugging away at their computers and you're watching the smoke go around this car and so I'm trying to be involved in the process to the degree that I really don't know anything about cars. <laughs> so I, I, I asked one of the engineers, I said, so what is it that you do? He said, well, we're, we're, um, we're checking for its efficiency and see, make sure it's as fast as we wanted it, as comfortable as we wanted it, as noise-free as we wanted it. I said, oh, cool. So, uh, you know, as, as efficient. I said, oh, so what do you, like, you do this and then you, you change the engine? Or I, Again, I didn't know. So the guy says, no, the engine... It comes with is fine. It's the things that we add on afterwards that sometimes add drag, make it less efficient, make it wobble, make it whistle. So it's the things we add on afterwards that we have to see if we have to adjust them. And I thought, well, that's us. Mm -hmm. That doesn't just have to do with cars. The engine you came with is fine. It's all the BS you added afterwards. <laughs> it's all the bumps and bruises. And, and, and luggage that you're carrying from this X amount of years journey that you're on. It's all these souvenirs we keep and, and, and things that we add on. Our engine is fine. The reason it's tired, the reason we're not as efficient as we were intended to be isn't because we weren't built right. It's the stuff that we added afterwards. And again, you don't grow spiritual. You shrink it. Beautiful. Love the analogy, love the metaphor. Thank you for sharing that. And so what was the deconstruction process for you? 
you know, in terms of, as you say, shrinking it, get ready, getting rid of it, realizing and crystallizing for yourself that you don't have control over anything anyway. You know, what, I mean, to the degree that you feel comfortable, because a lot of my guests who have appeared on my show for the, for the summit that they've climbed, within whatever it is that they're endeavoring to do, whatever they're passionate about, whatever it is that drives them. You know, that's come for many of my guests from a, a place of darkness. And oh, of course. You know, absolutely. And anyone and, that tells you different is, is completely lying to you. It, absolutely. It comes, Lisa, the greatest messages come out of the greatest message. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. That, that comes from darkness. It's those of us who have been broken who become experts at mending. So anybody who's like that, and that never goes away. The brighter the light, the darker the shadow. That never goes away. So you really start navigating through your life. And that deconstruction process is, for you, for Lisa, for me, and for everyone listening, that deconstruction process is, folks, At what point in time will you be sick and tired of frustratingly trying to control something that you really don't have control over? And and, and we we do this in our lives. We do this with people. Oh, how people frustrate us. Why won't they just listen to us? Why won't they let me control them? You know, we, we try to control other people. We try to change other people, change their opinions, change their behaviors, change their outcomes. And you really can't. We, we passed another New Year, another time for resolutions. New Year's resolutions have become a, a, an international uh, consensus. There is an international consensus. We just, ex, we just expect, expect resolutions to fail. Mm-hmm. We we expect it. We it's it's the big joke that the gym is packed in January and it's empty again in February. Absolutely, it, it's it's the joke, and and so we have to we have to recognize that everyone who joined that gym, everyone who didn't join a gym but said I'm going to eat healthier, Lisa, some of them looked in the mirror and cried with every bit of their being, with every bit of their soul, they wanted to change. They, some people went to a gym and invested money that they worked really hard for because they want to change. They, they, they have, have made this commitment in tears, in, in desire. They, they're ready for something different and they don't go. Mm-hmm. Folks, think about that. Think about you are you and it's really hard to control. <laughs> <laughs> you are you and you're really hard to change yourself now what chance do you think you have of changing someone else true very Just true think of that through your tears you swear and make promises to gods and deities that that you know you're not going to keep and you don't keep them but you want to keep them now, I know that there's a brain mechanism and the reason why this happened, but we can, we can embrace the truth that there is one thing that we're in charge of, and that is ourselves. Mm-hmm. There's one person you can better today, and that's you. There's one person you can take those baby steps to, a, to, a, to refining, improving, enhancing your life. That is you. 
And the miracle behind that is that once you start doing that, you start inspiring the people around you, sometimes after some some hesitation. Uh, unfortunately, in our in our, our way of being, sometimes there's nothing more unpopular amongst friends and family than positive change. True. But, so, so they might put on, you know, they'll join you, but only after trying their hardest to make you stop. Um, but, but if you just stay focused on yourself and, and concentrate on the things you do have control over instead of throwing away your energy on the things you don't have control over, um, you, you watch your life come alive. It's really magical. Absolutely. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And so I've got like a gazillion things I want to say and ask here. So Steve, um, what do you think in, you know, in your level of expertise and all the paths of different people that you've encountered and crossed, what do you think is fundamentally the core ingredient that separates the two populations of people? What, uh, in terms of, you know, the people who quite quite seamlessly are able to get out of their own way and the other people who forever seem trapped. What is that all about from your perspective? The ability to hide that we're all trapped. Mm. The, the, the person who's seamlessly getting out of their own way, they are the duck, Lisa. They're the duck floating serenely on the water. Beautiful, majestic. I live in a beautiful port town. You see them, beautiful, majestic ducks floating serenely on the water. Under the water, they're paddling like hell. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and that's what everyone's doing. So the difference is really, um, the difference is that some people, they don't let, they don't let you see them sweat. Mm-hmm. But I, I've been, I, I'm so over these past almost 20 years now, I've, I've been in, in, in the rooms and the organizations with, with the top people, the people that we would consider the most successful and, and so in just about every field or endeavor. And, and I have yet to meet someone immune to that feeling trapped. I have yet to meet someone immune to not knowing how to get out of their own way. It's, it's why I get hired. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and myself included, uh, we are all patternist. We're a patternist species. We have, Hundreds of thousands of years of evolved data that's in our DNA and constantly processing. So, Lisa, when you have a thought, you're having your ancestors' thoughts placed into 2016. Beautiful. And oh you're navigating through that. That's why when you get older, you might hear people say, oh, my God, you're just like your mother. Oh, my God, you're just like your father. Oh, my God. You know what? You're probably you're also just like your great, 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 et cetera, because we are that. You know, you, we are that. That's my thing with the spiritual movement. I love it. I think it's beautiful. I think it's poetic. But for me, the most spiritual thing you can do is embrace your humanity. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm a spiritual being having a human experience, then why are all these books telling me how to be spiritual? I don't have to try to be what I already am. Love it. What I need. What I need to, what I, that's like looking for fire with a lit torch. I, I already have it. I don't have to do, what I have to deal with is this human experience. You're not losing your house because you lack spiritual 
uh, uh, knowledge. You, <laughs> you made some financial decisions or something happened, and you have a very human issue. Mm-hmm. You're not constantly losing your relationships because you lack spirituality. You have a communication issue, a friendship issue, a love issue, uh, a character issue, something that's very, very human. So for mm-hmm. this time, for me, it, it, embrace your spirituality, but don't turn your back on your humanity. Beautiful, I Steve. think that we do a tremendous disservice to think that just thought, just, just uh, um, a feeling of oneness, just that does it. It doesn't, and you see it. You see it. We were let down by a couple of generations of gurus, a couple of generations of big gurus. When they mixed in with the big with the, with the big publishing companies, they did they did their readers a disservice because you would have these gurus saying in, in their favorite guru whisper voices, they'd say, "All you have to do is intend." Just set out the intention, Lisa, and the universe will respond immediately. (laughs) And then that same guru goes on a 20-city book tour. Wait a second. Why are you telling me all I need to do is intent, but you're working really hard? That's Mm -hmm. not fair. You hit the pinata and asked me to stay blindfolded. No, thank you. And, and so that was the marketing thing. And, and as we know, when it comes to publishing companies, and there are some great publishing companies out there, but business is business. No one's in business to lose money. Mm-hmm. So if they see that what you like is a 400-page book on simplicity, that's what they're going to give you. Well, that's let me what ask, they're going to give you. Sorry, Steve. Let me ask you this, though. Okay, so I totally, I totally get and appreciate what you're, what you just said. And I know that there's a huge element of truth to that. But I think, and I play devil's advocate to everything. So, you know, for these people who write books, the gurus that you reference, uh, along the lines mm-hmm. of that, knowing that people are going to eat that up and absorb it and sponge it up. Um, but is it not understood, like in the personal development world, you know, for the people who would normally be on the radar to want to sponge up this material, it's implied, I would think, uh, underscoring that, you know, it's a certain part of your DNA anyway, that there's a certain level of awareness, self-awareness and self-respect and personal empowerment that would gravitate you and magnetize you towards that type of material. So for me, I kind of look at that as an imparting message of accountability. So yes, the words are splashed on, splashed on the page, but if you don't know how to incorporate that, if you don't know how to use those tools in which to light your own fire and trail your own blaze, then is it really the guru's fault? Is it really the publishing company's fault? Or is it the fact that, you know, everybody's looking to be spoon-fed? I mean, you know, people just have to tap into it. And that's a choice. I believe everything is a choice. So if it's laid out... And, and I, cause I, I will say I'm, I'm a big believer on setting intentions and manifestation and visualization. That is who I am and I do that every day. Um, so I think for the like-minded people who would gravitate towards that type of material, if you are truly authentically tapped in, then I think it's a win-win. Right? For people who want to make money and for people who yeah. want to, and for people- Setting intention is, is, is huge. That's, that setting intention is, is, is setting a, a map. Sure. Setting intentions, spirituality is, is, is the poetry of the human experience. 
I think that it's beautiful. I just think that the gurus where they let us down is is in the idea that 90% of a book would be about spirituality and connectedness, and maybe 10% of that book would be about putting it into practice in, in, in our very human world. So you just made a great point. So here you are with a successful show. You have a su- successful show. You have fans. You have, a, you have a great way about you, a great demeanor. You have confidence in there. That you, you have a you have a, a something successful going, and you just said I do. I set my intentions every morning. What do you do after that? I you step put your head down and you go do it. And you're dedicated. You're motivated. You're driven. You have passion for not just what you do. You have passion for the people who who are listening to your show. You are actively pursuing. So you are combining, you are, you are setting your intention, which is something in the ether. This is something that we all know. You're, you're putting it in some place where, where other humans can see it. So that means you either have a, 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 a map, a goal set, you may vision board, you may do something where you take it out of the ether and into our three-dimensional uh, world. And then you go do it because none of it would happen. If you were to stop just there, none of this would happen. 100% of everything you see is because you acted. Albert Einstein said something powerful. And he said, when, when asked about the universe, when asked about, uh, about life, when asked about uh, how this cosmic, uh, this cosmic soup works, he said something that I'll never forget reading. He said, nothing happens until something moves. Mm. And that's just so powerful. So you end up with what? We end up with the truth of what I was saying. Embrace your spirituality, but don't turn your back on your humanity. Embrace the idea of meditating. Embrace the idea of prayer. Embrace it. Do it. It's amazing. There are countless uh, uh, articles and research done for how helpful it is for you psychologically and physiologically. Let's take losing weight. Meditate about losing weight. Have a vision board about losing weight. Pray about losing weight. Set a plan about losing weight. All of that is super helpful. But the truth of our humanity is doing one push-up brings you closer to that goal than anything you had done before that. True. And so we have to be aware of that. We have to be aware of that. We have to pay attention, Lisa. Regardless of what people feel, we have to pay attention to books like The Secret that sold millions and millions and millions of copies. Where are the millions and millions and millions of, of, of new millionaires? At the right. same time that that, at the same time that that book is selling millions and millions of copies, we raise, we go up in antidepressants. Wow. We go up in antidepressants, we go up in foreclosures, we go up in repossession, we go up in credit problems. All of these things happen. If that's the answer, why didn't it change? Because it's not the answer. You have to be coupled. I was, I was raised Catholic. My parents are Italian and Chilean, so I have no chance of not being raised Catholic. And so I thought it was so funny when I was a kid. I guess I always paid attention to this kind of stuff, but I, I found it 
so um, uh, so interesting that the church, you, you'd be in church, and they'd say if you're having financial problems, this priest would, would, would belt out to all these people something so beautiful. He'd say, if you're having these financial problems, if you're needing money, I want you to get on your knees. When life brings you to your knees, you pray. And, and he would say, you, you pray and have faith that you'll receive it. And the windows of abundance shall be opened unto ye. I thought that was so great. But then, Lisa, they hand out a basket. Right. And, and I said, wait a second. When, when we want money, you're telling us to, to pray. When you want money, you know you better move and hand out a basket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have to pay attention to those things in life. We okay. have to. We can't get caught up in the poetry. You can look at Van Gogh's Starry Night and know that it's beautiful and let it give you the goosebumps and let it be lovely and, and turn on a candle and have a candlelit dinner with Van Gogh's Starry Night. But don't forget that that's not what these stars look like. It's not mm-hmm. accurate depiction of the solar system. So we have to be able to marry the two. The successful people in life have married the two. And instead mm-hmm. of just waiting, people, people will wait, uh, will wait on because they have their intention. And, and a, and a dynamic of our human mind, Lisa, is that we have, you, you mentioned something, you kind of touched on something that's a natural disposition towards hope, right? So we, mm-hmm. we do have this natural disposition towards hope and it's, taken different, it's taken on thousands of religions over the course of human history, it's taken on thousands of different thoughts, but we do have this this mechanism in our brain, maybe it's part of what we call our persistence of self, we're not sure why, we're not sure why, Lisa's a story you're telling yourself, Steve's a story I'm telling myself, we're not sure why you wake up Lisa every day, we're not sure why I wake up Steve every day, they call it the persistence of self, and within that there's the narrative that comes with it, we do know that all it requires is slight brain degradation. And you'll forget Lisa. You'll forget the people you love. You'll forget the spouse spirituality. There's, there's no spirituality or church group in uh, senior citizen centers. They lose that mechanism for whatever reason. But we do know that while you have a healthy brain mechanism, that that persistence of self comes on. And there's Lisa and there's thieves and there's thoughts and there's hopes and there's gods and there's beliefs and there's loves and there's all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so we, we, we know that we have this. Because of that, when things are presented to us in a spiritual manner, in spiritual language or in a spiritual setting, it bypasses our spam filter that we have in our brain because it's presented in that manner. If it's presented in any other manner, those same thoughts hit a spam filter and we relabel them. So... If you're in a church and you walk into a church and you see someone kneeling at the pew and he's just looking up, kneeling, looking up at maybe if, if you're in a, in, a, in, a, in a, a ceiling, a beautiful ceiling in a church, he's looking up and he's saying, please give me good health, please give me a job, please give me financial security. You walk in and in the setting of the church you say, wow, there's someone going through some stuff who's devout and seeking for help. That's admirable. If you were in a computer program, click on that guy and drag him down to the street 
doing the same thing in the corner, you say what? Look, he's a beggar. Wow. And so we know this. If I were to apply um, this, let's take some sort of intention manifestation vision board kind of thing, right? So you go into your kid's room, and your kid's room's a mess. Anyone who has kids knows the kid's rooms are a mess. They're always a mess. And so you walk into your kid's room, it's a mess, and you say, hey, listen, clean your room. Um, I'm going to come back in a little bit. I want you to clean your room. This room is, is atrocious. You leave, you go, you go do whatever else you're doing, Lisa. You go back in an hour. You open the door, and your kid's room is still a disaster. <laughs> but your kid's but your kid sitting on his bed in the lotus position. And he says, oh, Mom, don't worry, Mom. I'm holding a strong intent that it will be clean. I even have a vision board of clean rooms. I'm just waiting for the universe to catch up. Right. If he said that to you, you'd know it's ridiculous, and you'd say, get off your tush and clean your room. We right. know this in every other part of our life, but when it's presented in a spiritual way, it bypasses the spam filters. We have to be honest with ourselves there. If you want something different in your life, you have to happen to life. You cannot let it happen to you. You have to happen to life. You have to take those intentions. If you have 10 vision boards, 10 meditations, 10 prayers, that's great. But then you have to get up and participate in this multi-dimensional universe that is a universe of cause and effect. And you have to happen to it. Remember what Einstein said. Nothing happens until something moves. You Absolutely. wanted a radio show, Lisa. You wanted to uh, to build an audience. You wanted to educate yourself. You wanted to do all of that. And all of that was beautiful. But none of that happened until you went out and got a radio show. You ran out and read your books. You listened to your seminars. You had to activate it in your life. And we have to embrace that. It's, it's not as pretty as as what other people may write. But it's truthful, and that, and and having having done this for almost twenty years now, knowing the impact that it has on people of all religions and all thought processes, um, I just know that this is this is something that's effective. Well, let me ask you this, Steve. I, I'm going to go back a little bit to what you said. Uh, it's a point that's lingering with me, and I just want to kind of dissect it a little bit. So. When you were talking and paralleling the secret and talking about the influx with the stats, you know, depression, antidepressants, uh, you know, foreclosures, all of that. Sure. Okay. So let's just say, because you're, you know, you're living your own truth. You speak your own truth, whether it's in the written word, whether it's on stage, whether it's in a mentoring coaching session, I do the same. And so whether we call it the secret you know, the authors who birthed the secret, anything related to the law of traction, anything like that. So if I write a book and I believe wholeheartedly with the message within my book, and because it's another example of me putting my message out into the world, hoping that it would resonate with somebody to the degree that it's resonated with me. And yes, we all interpret differently, and yes, we all apply things differently or not at all. So if... My book is the secret, if we're going to stay aligned with that. If my book is the secret, 
And I believe in it. And I believe it's my inherent responsibility to share my gifts with the world because I want other people to feel as good as I do, feel as empowered as I do. I use that as a tool. I put it out there because I believe in it. And if somebody falls short of either applying that in their own life or understanding the message to the degree that it was intended, you know, is it, is it the, you know, for lack of a better expression, like is it the author's fault that, you know, you start to see these rise of unfortunate statistics or, you know, where does that come from? Does that come from people feeling that somehow there's an elitist type group, only a certain population of people deserve uh, and are worthy to live a life of abundance, to, you know, to be at the echelon of their game, to live their life of impa- passions and fully embody that, you know, is it the writer's fault? Is it the message's fault? Or is it the reader's fault? Because they just put it back on the shelf and let it collect dust. Like, whose issue is that? It, it, it's no one's fault. It, it's a dynamic of our humanity. The dynamic of our humanity is that we do have people who are seeking the fix. And here's the crux of it, is that they're not broken. Mm-hmm. So so they're seeking a fix for something, they're not broken. Is it marketing companies' fault for making money? That's what they do. It's, it's no one's fault for participating in anything. It, mm-hmm. it, it's just it's what it is. But the truth of the matter is, we have a marketing industry that relies on you feeling broken. They can't sell you a life vest unless they can convince you you're drowning. So we, we all know that there's the, the entire media, especially a woman, uh, especially a woman, walk into a bookstore, and the first thing you see is their magazine. 90% of those magazines are designed to make you feel too fat, too small, too short, blonde, too blonde, not blonde enough, not fit enough, not cool enough, not pretty enough, not... You turn on the, the, the TV and every advertisement is because you're but too big or not big enough or it sags, it doesn't sag enough and this is for your breasts and this is for your, this is makeup and this one makes you taller and this one makes your eyes pop and this is, now you can look like this woman, now you can look like this woman. And, and so you build this thought process of needing to be fixed. So no, most authors, most authors aren't being malicious when they're when they're throwing things out there. Um, most authors aren't being malicious. You think that hey, this is what works for me, um, but we it it doesn't negate reality. So mm-hmm. we still have to we still have to touch on reality. And so unfortunately, <clears throat> unfortunately, because that's our mechanism, and we come from a place of looking for the fix. That's going to be something that happens. For me, um, I, I keep my books in philosophy section, not mm-hmm. in self-help, not in success, not in business. I keep it in philosophy. Some of it's mm-hmm. going to trigger you, and some of it's going to be what I tell a prime minister of a country. It might be what I tell a professional athlete. It might tell, be what I tell my neighbor, and it might trigger them to change their life forever. But it's the philosophy. You have to help them find it within themselves. And so we have truths about our humanity. We have truths about our universe and how it works. We have truths about business. We have these truths. It's not about placing blame, but it's about recognizing 
recognizing that this exists and that you have to act accordingly. It, is, it, is it the the food industry's fault that there's an exceptional amount of bad food available to me at any time? That if I go to a mall, the mall food court is filled with with a, a, a plethora of bad choices? Should I blame them? Should I blame the workers? Should I, is it my fault for being so weak-willed? No, it's just what it is. It's just what's there. It doesn't mean, because it's available to me and because it might make me feel better for an hour, it doesn't mean that if I only eat that, it won't kill me. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't negate the truth. So it's not that, it's not that, uh, an author should be held accountable. I mean, it's almost impossible. Books are like pictures. So I've written four of them. My first one, Life, the Truth and Being Free, most of that was written when I was between 18 and 22 years old. Some of the stuff that's in there is, isn't really even that accurate to how I feel now. Mm -hmm. And so, it's, it's like a picture, just like if you were to look, believe me, Lisa, if you were to look at a picture of me when I was 18 <laughs> to 22 years old, that, that also has morphed some. And, and so um, that's just the way that that works. So I don't think the author should be held accountable. I don't think that the, the publishing houses should be held accountable for making money any more than I think a fast food restaurant should be held accountable because they exist. People are hungry, and that's what they want, and that's what they're craving, then that's the thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's anyone's fault, but it is up to us to recognize that that might not be the answer. It might be a partial answer, and we can agree that work your butt off and life still might kick you in the face would be a really bad book title, but probably <laughs> the most honest one. And so we need to know that. We we need to know that we have to take what Lisa says. We have to take what Steve says. We have to take what... Some of the brilliant people on earth say and activate it in our life. Some of the things that are true for me are going to be true for you. And some of the things that are true for me aren't going to be true for you. Mm-hmm. Your agreement with reality defines your life. Absolutely. Your agreement with reality defines your life. So take what, take what I say that's helpful to you and may uh, something you can pivot on and find empowerment so you can navigate through your own life. Take something mm-hmm. Lisa says so that you can pivot on and empower yourself and, and take the rest for poetry. Take the rest for the poetry of the human experience. Think about how things would change in religion if we did that. If we looked at those books as books of poetry, instead of holding it up to science and saying, oh, it's ridiculous, or holding it up to our normal, our, our modern-day morality and saying, oh, this is bad or this is good, or holding it up for literalism, we're saying, oh, I'm going to kill you now because you don't think my God is better than your God. Imagine if we were to take those subjective experiences as poetry and enact it in our lives. We would change everything, Lisa. Absolutely. Well, the other thing I want to ask you, too, because I'm cognizant of time. Um, so the other thing I want to ask I keep you- talking. Wait, can you come no, one second? No. I keep talking. I keep talking, and I want to thank you. Folks, Lisa is extremely passionate about all of you. I've never, ever done an interview in which someone really just wants the best for her audience and is vocal about it, is is uh, incredibly intense in wanting to deliver a great product. So please uh, follow Thank Lisa and, and, and support this show because uh, Lisa is one of the good ones for sure. 
Thank you. Wow, I really appreciate that. So what I want to ask you, Steve, is I've had another former guest, previous guest on my show, Dr. Doug Barron. Uh, you may or may not know him, uh, but he's big in the similar world to you and I. You know, everyone's operating at a different level. Anyway, interestingly, we talked about fuck it moments. So fuck it moments as opposed to aha moments. And in terms of really defining and getting crystal clear as to what it is that propels you into the next level, meaning propelling yourself out of the pain. And so Dove, and I mean, he says it obviously more eloquently than what I can paraphrase, but essentially he got to the point of, you know, aha moments are kind of fleeting, not to negate uh-huh. the fact that they do transform people. Uh, they may be responsible on some level for uh, some kind of inner shift, but it's the fuck it moments when you are truly, truly, truly in the pain and you say, I am not going to do this anymore. I cannot do this anymore. I will not live like this anymore. No more. And so the fuck it moment is what truly propels you beyond any lasting effect or impact, according to him, as to what the aha moment. So aha moment being kind of fleeting, kind of temporary. Fuck, Fuck it moment, permanent. It's in your DNA. So what would you say to that? Do you think it's, you know, something in between? Do you think it's one or the other? I, I think that, I think that they're, they're, they're both realizations. Um, you know, I think that people have those bucket moments when you drank too much and you say, I'm never drinking again, but you drink again. So I think in, 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 in any type of situation, setting a plan is important. And I think that embracing, you know, Byron Katie, have you ever had Byron Katie on? Yeah, I love Byron Katie. I want for you what you want for you, Steve. She's so awesome, and and she said something. I had her on a bunch of times when I used to do my show, and and she, she said something. She said, you know, pain is what we feel when we argue with reality. Yes. And and so, for me, the aha, the buckets, all those things have to do with embracing reality. My own aha moments, I guess, could have been what uh, wasn't fleeting. That that was when I was in the military. Do I have Do I have a few more minutes for a talk? Yeah, we've got about eleven. Okay. All right. So I go into the military, and I was I was I was really bad in school uh, growing up. I, I I wasn't a good student at all. I, I'm a complete nerd now, but in in my high school years and in middle school years, I, I was a complete nerd. I like playing I, I like playing sports, but I didn't like going to class. I didn't like that. You know, I was I didn't like reading of mice and men. Girls were so much prettier than of mice and men. Like I was just paying attention to things that teenage boys pay attention to and, and my schoolwork not being one of them. But I barely graduate high school, and I go into I go into the military. I was military police. And in high school, I would read – I wouldn't read my schoolwork, but I would pick up those, like, little quote books and little things like that that, that you'd see at, like, the checkout at the grocery store. And I, I was always fascinated by that those ideas of, of – of, Hitting that enlightenment, as they would say. And I always thought that it would be that, like, moment that just hits and you just get it and you understand life. And, and so I go, I, I go into the military and I was, I was, I was such a genius that Air Force basic training is in San Antonio, Texas. I sign up to go in July. So it's like a 120 degrees. They, they dress you up like a tree and they march you on blacktop because they're really compassionate. And, and basic training is like this thing where it's, it's, 
it's attention to detail. So every day is the same, Lisa. Every day, this is what time you get up. This is what you do when you get up. This is what you do in the middle of the day. This is what you do at the end of the day. This is what time you go to bed. And, and every day, it's, it's the perfect, same crap, different day. Mm-hmm. And I remember on one occasion, we were kind of in a fog, all of us. There were 60 people on, on our flight team. And, and um, we're kind of in a fog. We're getting everything wrong. And the drill instructor is super mad. Superman, he's pacing back and forth, and he says, what's wrong with y'all? He's like, get in formation. So we get in formation, and he's got 60 guys on the blacktop in San Antonio, Texas, and he's pacing back and forth saying, what's wrong with y'all? I know. Say pop. So we say pop. Say pop again. Pop. Before you know it, he's got 60 dudes screaming at the top of their lungs while in, uh, in military attention saying, pop, pop, pop. He said, do you know what that is? That's the sound of your head coming out of your ass. <laughs> and let me tell you, Lisa, that was my, oh, I was 18 years old. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I can almost smell the Texas heat oh my when God. I tell this story. Because that was my moment, Lisa. I said, yes, this guy is right. Same crap, different day is a story you tell yourself. It is a poisonous story you tell yourself. A story that isn't even remotely true. The greatest mind, Einstein, Mother Teresa, uh, you have uh, Jonas Salk, Jesus, Plato, Aristotle. Nobody, none of the people I just mentioned saw today. None of them. Hmm. Same crap, different day is a lie. Every day is a once-in-a-lifetime event. I don't have to get through this basic training for six weeks. I just need to get through today. Let me stay on my game today. Let me kick ass until lunch. Let me kick ass until dinner. Let me kick ass until bedtime. And then let this day die and Mm -hmm. have a rebirth tomorrow and do it again. And I've been doing that since I was 18 years old. Wow. And you'd be surprised how much time you have. You'd be surprised how much impact you have. If I think about everything I've done, I'm I'm just I'm forty. I'm Are you only forty? Did you see what you just said? I'm only forty. All this stuff I've done because I said pop when I was eighteen, and I put all of my all of my wants and needs and what I want and how I see it, my prayers, my meditations. I get them all in order, and then get out of my way love it because i'm following it because i'm not telling myself people always ask me hey man you watch the walking dead i say yes all day every day (laughs) (laughs) i haven't seen that show you're talking about but the walking dead i watch all day every day people just existing not living going through a conditioned response and they have a language they speak to each other they say same crap different day and they say it is what it is. And all of these impotent phrases mm-hmm. that they find themselves wondering why. They say, holy cow, it's 2016. Holy cow, it's 2017. And you're living the same life you were living 10 years ago because you same crap different days every single day. Trying to control something you don't instead of waking up and saying, this is what I want. This is the direction I'm heading in. Get out of my way. 
Fantastic. Fantastic. We're at four minutes here. So what I want to say, Steve, I mean, I, I definitely have to have you back on the show if you're willing to agree. Absolutely. So let's kick ass from today to the next time you're on the show going forward every single minute, every single day. I've absolutely loved this, sponging it up. And just very, very quickly, I would like for you to mention where people can find you, Steve. I'm a pretty findable fella. SteveMaraboli.com will send you to all our social media stuff. And listen to what Lisa just said, folks. Listen to what Lisa just said. Let's kick, let's kick ass until that day. And here's the beauty of it all. It's what's happening anyway. <laughs> You're only in charge of today anyway. You're only in charge of yourself anyway. So the beauty of this, folks, is that you don't have to learn how to control something new. You actually have to just let go of the shit you weren't controlling anyway. <laughs> Love it. Well, Steve, I want to thank you so much. So, so much. You are so entertaining and so inspiring. But, uh, yeah, I'm on fire. doesn't take much for me, but I'm truly on fire at the moment. So I just want to say thank you very much for joining me. We'll be in contact. I'm going to send you the podcast shortly. I want to thank my listening audience for joining me here once again on my host show, Carpe Diem. I'm Lisa McDonald. I go live every Friday at 11.04 a.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Should you wish to be a guest on my show or put forth any uh, suggestible items, topics that you would like to hear spoken about, you can certainly reach me at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. McDonald spelled M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. Also, you can reach me at lisamcdonald13 at gmail.com. I want to thank you all for taking the time out of your day to have a little bit of time with me and Steve. So thank you so much, Steve. All my love to you. Huge gratitude Thank to you. you. Keep doing what you're love doing. Love and hugs from New York. Thank you. Oh, love it. Okay, everybody, have a fantastic weekend. Super, super day. Every single day. Every single minute. Embrace it. Relinquish at the same time. And just love it. Thanks a lot. Take care, Steve. You've been listening to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. For more information, please go to Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.